This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host. Today is show 209. My goodness, welcome to new listeners. You have one heck of a back catalogue to make it through all sorts of interesting Lotox topics from the past four and a half years. And of course, a big welcome back to all of our regular listeners. It's such a pleasure to put this show on for you guys every single week to have the wonderful guests that join me to inspire us with everything they know and have learnt to be able to share with the world. And of course, with our amazing sponsors that help put this show on every week, uh, lots of things that go into making a podcast and we wouldn't be able to do it without our sponsors. And this month we have two. So one that's international shipping, which is always really exciting because it means everyone can make the most of it. I know there are tons of you guys overseas and I'm extremely passionate about this topic uh, that Block Blue Light help people with because I know firsthand what it's like to have super crappy melatonin levels from SIRS, uh, chronic inflammatory response syndrome, after all I went through with mold. And uh, uh, it, it's not fun to not be able to sleep. But one of the major things that prevents us from having good sleep patterns, and this is something everyone can do, no matter where you're at with your health, even if you're already a really good sleeper, if anything, to protect your sleep as you age, because it becomes so important to regeneration of our entire bodies, uh, especially going through things like perimenopause, etc. So how do we protect those melatonin levels? We block as much blue light in our evenings as we can. Daytime as well, of course. So if you're someone who works on the computer all day, like I do often, uh, or if you're in an office environment where there are um, halogens or fluorescent lights everywhere, blocking blue light is really important during the day as well. So they have glasses for daytime, glasses for nighttime, they have night lights, they have reading lights that you can clip on. Those ones are perfect for kids. And probably my favorite product in the range is the amber light bulbs that you can put into small and large um, light fittings, uh, both the, oh gosh, now the name is going to escape me, like the little screw on ones or the the like clip in and rotate a little bit ones. <laughs> they have technical terms, but I've just completely momentarily forgotten what those two terms are. So you kind of know what I mean, hopefully. Um, but these light bulbs give off the most beautiful amber glow. It is so relaxing in the evening. We changed over probably about hmm, a year and a half ago, I think maybe two years, whenever they first came out with Block Blue Light uh, and Daniel released them. Uh, what I love about them as well is different to those so-called eco lights, which sure, they use less energy, but they do contain mercury. Uh, so if you've got those uh, eco lights, uh, you may want to make the switch for the reason that they have mercury alone and please be very careful while handling them and unscrewing them uh, so that you don't break those open. 
Um, fun fact, when you go onto your local council's website, deep, deep inside embedded is the proper cleanup procedure for if you break one of those globes because they contain mercury. And you actually are recommended to cut out the piece of carpet, for example, around where it, um, where it broke, uh, just to give you an idea of how dangerous it is to handle mercury. Um, so let's get those out of our homes. These are energy efficient as well. Uh, and we've only had to replace them once so far, um, ourselves. And we've had them for, I'm pretty sure nearly two years. Um, and they, uh, remove all of that blue light from your evening light. They're great for bedside lights as well. So I could rave about this range, uh, forever, but I want you to jump onto the block blue light website and claim your 15% off all the products before the end of this month. You only have a few days left guys. And so often people go, Oh, is that offer still on? No, it's not. You got to make the most of it and do it now. So blockbluelight.com.au and your code is lowtoxlight for 15% off. Now, another thing that's wonderful for us as we get a little older uh, is uh, using plant actives that help to protect the firmness and elasticity of our skin. And the pomegranate range uh, by Walida is an absolutely beautiful range. And, you know, I really kick myself sometimes when I think about how much I used to find it normal to sort of sell, uh, because I was in prestige cosmetics when I was much younger, uh, in my early late teens and early twenties to sell creams that were two, three, $400 a pop. And this was back then. So we're talking 20 years ago, gosh, knows what they charge now. Um, that sure, they had some really interesting plant actives in them and they use millions of dollars of research every year in the labs to create these extracts and, um, and harness their power in skincare products. But two thirds of the label was bizarrely, uh, um, well, I mean, you know, dangerous is too strong a word because dangerous would imply that, you know, you apply something and it's going to cause you danger that it's more of an acute, uh, meaning, but, um, chronically applying, uh, endocrine disruptors and potential carcinogens, either proven or unproven, you know, we, we apply the precautionary principle in, in the low tox life. So we wait until it's proven safe, not wait until it's maybe not okay. And then proven not safe. That is not what we want to do. Um, and, uh, and two thirds of the list were all these preservatives to make them last, you know, two, three years on the shelf, uh, and, um, and endocrine disruptors were often the bulk of what made up those preservatives. Never mind the other endocrine disruptors in the synthetic fragrances that were used to perfume the products. So Walida has none of that going on and yet manages to provide a ton of highly effective plant actives in their range. I love, um, the evening primrose range as well, which is sort of, sold for a more mature skin, but that eye cream is just beautiful. Uh, and so I still use my evening primrose from that. I use the smoothing day cream from the rose range, and I'm now using the pomegranate facial oil for my daytime pre-moisturizer oil. It's not greasy. It contains seven different types of beautiful oils uh, and really sink straight into your skin yet leave it highly moisturized for a really long time. You have a beautiful glow. And I 
absolutely recommend this new pomegranate firming facial oil as a new part of the pomegranate range. I was uh, really excited to see when we did the giveaway a couple of weeks ago that tons of you already love the pomegranate range. It's so fresh, smells beautiful, and uh, you really want skincare to help you feel like you're connecting to your best self and to nature. You know, we don't want to hide ourselves and distance ourselves from nature. It just makes no sense now that we know a better way forward. And what I love about Walida is that doesn't just happen in a factory and into the tube and off a few random farms. There is an entire philosophy uh, as founded by Rudolf Steiner originally with his wonderful biodynamic uh, uh, pioneering lectures in the early 1920s uh, in Europe um, and and then into uh, then becoming a company that manufactured beautiful homeopathics and creams for people to use, uh, really starting to partner with farms to protect economies. And a huge part of the biodynamic philosophy is the care for the plants, the animals, and for the workers. And Walida upholds that uh, philosophy and ideal today and uh, does it in a way that very few companies around the world do to the level at which they do it. So I'm a huge fan of Walida. You also have 15% off their range, and this one is just for the Aussies. And so you can head to uh, walida.com.au, and again, your code is LOTOXLIFE. So it's nice and easy. All the offers are 15% off, and LOTOXLIFE is your code. Can't wait to see what you think of the new pomegranate firming facial oil and the range in general. And uh, let's kick into this show. So, and joining me today, we have Wade Lightheart, a really fantastic discussion. I'm fascinated by Wade. He started out as, uh, he has a really uh, interesting personal journey, a reason for his why and getting into health in the first place, very, very close to home uh, and tragic. And uh, then going on to compete in Mr. Universe, found that that wasn't quite the answer to ultimate health and then moving on to studying sports science, uh, becoming a nutritionist and now uh, owning a fantastic supplement company, uh, BioOptimizers. And the reason he started that supplement company is because he really wanted to provide incredible quality that he didn't see in the marketplace at the time, which is always a really great reason to start a business. Uh, and so uh, today we really focus on digestive health, but we also look at immune health as well. And uh, there were just so many things we wanted to talk about. I think we're going to have to do a part two. So if you have any further questions for Wade, hit me in the comments of the show notes, lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast, and I'll start storing them up for the next time Wade joins me on the show next year. I hope you enjoy it uh, as much as I enjoyed having this conversation, and uh, I look forward to hearing what you thought. Hello, Wade. How are you? Doing great. That's good. I feel funny asking you how you are because... Uh, just a little intel for everybody who's listening. Wade and I have actually been chatting for about 45 minutes now <laughs> about the history of the world and what's going to happen next. So, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, today though, we are talking about health uh, and a fascinating personal journey that got you onto uh, what uh, what seems to be your your true reason for being here. I mean, you just do such an amazing job with um, what you guys do at bio optimizers. And so I'd love to hear though, 
um, as I was researching and, and bringing up my questions, Mr. Universe, that's not something everybody does. Uh, and I, I'm curious to know, A, why, why go for a Mr. Universe title? Um, and B, what happened afterwards that you weren't expecting? I was interested in that. Yeah. So when I was 15 years old, three distinct things happened that changed the course of my life. One, I was growing up in a rural area in Canada, and then my parents decided to move to an extremely rural place, five, five miles to my nearest neighbor, dirt road, uh, telephone poles ended at our driveway. Uh, it was 500 acres in the wilderness. My parents were the caretakers of a resort. And we moved there. So I was taken out of my normal social structures, my some connections with my friends and my sporting activities. It was a, a 15 minute ride to uh, like skidoo ride sometimes to get to the road to take an hour bus ride. And so two and a half hours of transport every day, a lot of time on myself to go to, to, go to school and then uh, living in a pristine. I did. And that was the second thing that happened. So my sister at that same time, who was four years my senior, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, which is cancer of the lymph nodes. And I watched her go through the medical model for four years and before she died at 22. Uh, and the, what happened out of that, a couple of things. Number one, in my naive 15-year-old self, I remember coming home from the hospital with her and she'd be vomiting. We'd have to stop five or six times on the way home. And this was the treatment for the disease she had. And I thought, geez, you know, this, this doesn't, it seems like the treatment's worse than the disease. Like what, like what produces health? And so thrust into the, the gravity of my sister becoming terminal and going through that process, I got very clear at a formative age in my life that your life isn't a guarantee and your health isn't a guarantee. So it left the burning question, well, how do I produce health? Simultaneously, and this all happened in a very, 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 very short window. My sister gave me a bodybuilding magazine. It was a muscle and fitness. I had Troy Zuclato, Mr. California on the cover with two pretty girls <laughs> and, uh, and this hyper-masculine male with these hyper-feminine males and being driven wild with testosterone at that age. I went, geez, man, maybe, obviously I don't have those muscles. Maybe if I got those muscles, I could be attractive to those girls. And so I started reading the articles and so on and so forth and said you know i'm i'm gonna start lifting weights and be a he-man too mm -hmm. and of course that i built a gym in my barn and started training i had tractors and sawhorses and a little weight set and a pulley system that i jimmied up and if I, the pole would hit me in the head and everything else but i loved it and i discovered a fellow by the name of arnold schwarzenegger who at the time uh, was a multi-mr universe winner a mr olympia competitor Victor and uh, the largest and most successful TV personality in the world at that time. And he wrote a book called Education of a Bodybuilder. And inside it, he said, you can achieve anything in life if you're willing to have hard work, self-discipline, and a positive attitude. Now, I had heard the hard work story. Everybody I knew worked hard. And nobody was positive and I didn't see a lot of self-discipline. So I embarked upon this and said, I'm going to follow the vision of Mr. Schwarzenegger and I'm going to compete at the Mr. Universe and I'm going to own a nutritional company and I'm going to help people all around the world and I'm going to live in Venice Beach, California. And everybody thought I was crazy. And I would go out in my gym training in a snowmobile suit with my hands frozen to the bar and envisioning myself standing on stage just like Arnold Schwarzenegger was 
in Pumping Iron, the famous movie that kind of brought him to, to light and bodybuilding to light. And I just visualized that every single day and every single workout. And I saw that happening just like he said to do. And lo and behold, 33 years later, here I am. So um, to answer the second part of your question, what happened after the Mr. Universe? And keep in mind, I went to university, studied exercise physiology, mentored under a bunch of people, had the best coach in the world in that sport and prepared for almost two years to at the last two years, it was a series of competitions and it was an excruciating restrictive diet for 11 months leading up to that show, which is way longer than you would normally peak. It's just the way that things worked out as far as qualifications. And after the Mr. Universe, I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks and, be, and went to, from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow. Oh my goodness. So imagine. Uh, and so was there a lot of shame in that period of your life? Oh, of course, because here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. I've just been recognized as standing on stage with the cosmetic aesthetic idea, ideal for men as represented in that group of people. There was 177 competitors. So you're one of the top 200 people essentially in the world at that point. I've got the best coach in the world. I've worked 16 years to get to this point and I have extraordinary levels of discipline and a positive, everything that Arnold said they had. And suddenly 11 weeks later, it's all gone. And I'm a physical wreck. And fortune smiled upon me in that moment. And I met a doctor named Dr. Michael O'Brien, who is a senior citizen. And he, he had the most vibrant energy and his eyes would look right through and they're like clear boot pools. And he was so wise and so healthy and so like, like everything you would dream to be as a senior mm -hmm. citizen. You would just mm -hmm. only hope you could yes. be that healthy vibrant, right? And he was giving these lectures and, I, and it was giving me some ideas I'd never heard of, talking about digestive health and enzymes and, and, and probiotics and mineralization and consciousness and all these wonderful things. And I was like, wow, this guy's blowing my mind. I haven't heard anything like it. And I went up to him after and I said, you know, Michael, I, I don't understand. I've, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I got the education. I got the willingness. I got the determination. I got the drive. I got the coaching. I got everything I'm supposed to have. What, what, what am I doing wrong? And he said, well, Wade, this changed my life. He said, you've learned to build the body from the outside in. I will teach you how to build the body from the inside out. And it was just like a. Oh, wow. Like, you know, what's mm. that sound? A one hand clapping, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I followed his routine and I rebuilt my digestive system using exactly what he did. I went on a completely raw food diet for a period of time. But within six months, not only did I get my physique back, I had a new level of health, vitality, comprehension, cognitive capabilities. I didn't have the joint pain. I didn't have any food cravings. I didn't have any of the inflammatory conditions I had before. And I was like, wow. My business partner, Matt, and I started a company at that time trying to educate bodybuilders to not make the mistakes that I did. It's like, okay, I figured this out. We got to stop this. Cause I knew where I knew where every single athlete who, or any performance based person would, that was a man, woman, fitness competitor, didn't matter what it was. They were going to end up in this position at some point in time. I just found a way to get there faster than most people. And so we got all this, we coached 15,000 people over the next four years. Um, 
and got all this kind of clinical data from real people in every kind of walk of life of how to optimize their health. And then after that, I made a comeback and went to won a couple more championships and went to the worlds again and didn't have the the pullback using all these new principles. I I, I was fine, did better. And uh, after that, I said, we can take this to the world. And I started teaching these principles. Wow. What a story. Yeah. What an incredible way to start. And so often we start from the bottomless pit of, of, you know, that real low in life. And it's like, I swear I'm never going to feel like this. And I don't want anyone else to either. You hear exactly. it from change makers all the time. There's always a really crappy low that leads to um, an incredible life of uh, education and giving. So thank you for having um, endured that. Uh, Thank you you for that. (laughs) What happened afterwards is really great. Um, It did. You have a pretty cool um, acronym. I use this word a lot, awesome. Yes, Uh, me too. When did you come up with it and uh, what does it mean? Okay, so... One of the things that I had was my pet peeve inside of the entire health and fitness and dietary component, all these kind of things that I'm into was there seemed to be a a wide variety of competing narratives. And the clients that I were dealing with were coming to me extremely confused in that they would see, and this has expanded only since then with social media, is one person says, you you got to eat a ketogenic diet. Someone says, you need a paleo diet. Another person says, no, 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 no. You only have to eat raw food. Another one says, you, you only can be plant-based. And, 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 the, and, the, and the list of paradigms continues to grow exponentially. Mm. And people were getting analysis paralysis and, you know, they began to distrust everything and, and, and end up spinning their wheels. Some might say you could use that as a metaphor for current state of play in politics in the world. We end up in these truth bubbles of uh, cognitive bias and, um, and then anything outside of that bubble seems um, yeah. completely wrong. Mm. Yeah, because, you know, the essential nature of the brain is to maintain identification with the tribe that one finds himself, because historically that meant survival. Mm. So that those ideas now associated with another tribe are an absolute threat mm. to your existence. So this is just old medulla brain, yeah, the amygdala and all that just leveraged and you're not able to get to what made us a modern day humans. But anyways, I, uh, I digress. <laughs> I was fascinated with this and I was like, all right, well, what we need to come up with is a unified set of principles, an overarching philosophy that we could base on what we, observable truths. So I said, what is the one, so one of the things I had an issue with the medical industry, which was kind of the gold standard of peer reviewed journals and, you know, causality as mm-hmm. we like to know, the yeah. scientific method, um, was that most of the people in it weren't actually demonstrating health. And the, the smartest and the best were very specialized fields of one particular system. They were a gastrointestinal expert. They were a lungs expert. They were eyes, ears, and nose. They were, there was no, there was, there's so many specialists and not enough generalists. Mm. So I went, hmm, so, so, what is the one common element of the body that is shared by every single system that is the smallest, most you know, unified component? And I said, well, that's the human cell. 
we're made up of cells. There might be a brain cell, might be a liver cell, but the, the, independent, the functioning internally to the cell is more or less ubiquitous. It's the same. So I was like, okay. So we got to look at what makes a cell work. How does a cell actually function? What are the elements that it needs, right? And what messes it up? So I was like, okay, well, let's talk diet. Can the, di can the cell burn fats? Yes. Can it build carbs? Yes. Can it build proteins? Yes. Can it burn ketones? Yes. Okay. So that means it can survive on a bunch of different fuels. Mm. Well, how long can I go without food? Well, I can go several months. All right. Is that the number one thing? No. How long can I go without water? Maybe a week. Okay. Water, therefore, is more superior in its nature than food. Mm. What about air? Do we need air more than water? How long can I hold my breath for? We could try. We'll last maybe five minutes here and one of us is going to get gas mm. or die and that would be the end of the podcast. <laughs> that would be a real shame. <laughs> so I was like, well, interesting enough, cells need air first, they need water second, and then they need energy first. But then I went, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What happens when I, I remembered back to my sister who was a very robust athlete and when she was bedridden, I watched how quickly she wasted away. And if you looked at all the vital data of anybody that has been immobilized, they lose their health and vitality. And oftentimes they're trying to stuff food into them, but they, they don't get healthy. You see this in cancer patients and people who are very ill. And I was like, oh, this is, we need resistance in life. The cell needs resistance. It's also a big issue when astronauts go to space. So I'm like, Mm, I think exercise is actually more important than food itself. So I said, there, if one wanted to be robust and healthy, air, water, and exercise were absolute non-negotiables in order to have physical presence. Mm. Wow. Right? Yeah. Then I went, well, okay, well, let, well, let's sort out the food thing. And I'm like, well, there's all these different theories of food, but what, what's really happening at the cellular level, and, and I was never a great chemist. I, my, I was more of a physicist. I had an aptitude for physics, and I was into frequency and electrons and light and you know how light is both a wave and a, and a particle. And if you look at the cellular respiration or cellular function of the Krebs cycle, it's, there's, you can break it down to its lowest phenomenon as, as electron covalent transfer. There's really just an electron going from here to here, just like the sun, sends off this energy, it comes here to earth and it gets converted to stuff. And I was like, oh, so all we are is condensed light. So therefore, sun, when since we live in the solar system, is the superior form of energy system. It's just at what step down vibration that we're eating at. What density of light are we converting at any given time? So sunlight became the essential driver because we live in a solar system that became next. And that's how I look at food too. I look at food as condensed light, condensed energy in various forms. And then I was like, okay, so then what comes next? And I was like, well, it's the cells. What actually makes a cell work? What does a cell need? Well, it needs enzymes and it needs probiotics. Why? Because those are the two elements that do all the work in the body of converting one thing into something else. If we did not have bacteria in our guts, we couldn't convert what we eat. We, we couldn't take whatever form of light we've condensed and convert it into the light that our cells use 
or the building blocks that our cell use. And this is what enzymes and probiotics do. So they're the only things that do any work in the biochemical world. Okay, we need enzymes and probiotics. Well, the cell in order to function has all these elements and minerals like the earth. And what are those? Well, those are minerals and vitamins. Well, you need enzymes to get your proteins, proteins to get your minerals, minerals to get your vitamins. Oh, so we need essential amino acids in order to get absorb those. Okay, so then, well, but the cell membrane itself is made out of lipids. So we need fats too. So we need, okay, so what do we need? So we need enzymes, we need probiotics, we need essential amino acids, we need essential fatty acids, we need uh, minerals, vitamins, and probably some herbs because herbs have been around for a lot and contain a lot of elements which I believe move chi in the body through the different electrical meridians if you studied Chinese medicine. So I'm like, obviously those are the things that make up the cell. Assuming we've already got the air in the water and we're moving and we're condensing our food into light because there are people that can do that, like breatharians, which I've met a few and it's pretty fascinating. Oh, wow. So I'm like, yeah, they're, they're a trick. And so I, there are people that can live on light in these elements. So I was like, okay. And then I went, well, none of that works if you don't have the right headspace. And I've seen people that broke every rule of health and they got a good attitude and they do pretty well. So mental beliefs and attitudes got to be in there somewhere. And then I'm like, holy crap, this is complicated. How do we sort this out? <laughs> How do we sort this out? And I was like, well, if you study the word education, its root word is educe. And educe means to learn from within. Well, how do you learn from within? Well, you run a test. You, you know, we're, we're always A-B testing. You mm. know, is, is, is this berry good for me? Is that carbohydrate good for me? Should I have the pizza or should I have the <laughs> pasta? You know, yeah. and, uh, you know we're, we're always A-B testing. We don't realize it. So it's like you got to test, right? But the problem with testing in, a world, in an increasingly complex world is you could just be testing all the wrong things for the rest of your life, which a lot of people are caught into. So, so how, do you, how do you get past that? And I was like, oh, you need a coach. You need someone who is able to produce the result that you wanted and provide you some form of direction to implement the testing that you have on your body, whether that's a gut map or whether it's, can I walk up, can I walk a mile today? You know, I can only walk a half. So I put that all together. And then one day while I had been working on this for several years, I came up with the awesome acronym. I was very good at Scrabble as a kid. And I used to take- Oh, me too. Love to take, Scrabble. Yeah, I used to take words- in spelling, and I, I'd always try to see how many words I could make out of a word, and I got really into doing that. And I started taking these principles and working it around, and eventually one day it was like, oh my God, awesome, which I use all the time, and that became the seven pillars of the philosophy I've been advocating for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so awesome, so step us through. Is it air, water? Air, exercise, exercise, sunlight, sunlight. optimizers, optimizers, mental beliefs and attitude. Mm -hmm. education, testing, and coaching. So awesome. Brilliant. Love first, it. Yeah. MBA and et cetera at the last two, which you could probably put first, but the problem was it would throw off the name. Nope. Yeah. The name's too good. No, we keep the name. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> and air is pretty important. So, yeah. um, so what did you see in the supplement industry? Like, obviously you looked around um, and you had a belief that you could bring something new uh, which is essential to, you know, a, a business's feeling of purpose in, um, in existing in the first place. What did you see that was still needed out there? I love your questions, by the way, because 
most of them couldn't have been answered in a single year. Mm. These were the culmination of decades. So when I went through my education in university and studied exercise physiology and all that, I found a lot of compartmentalized thinking. I didn't have unified. And then I studied under mentors. And then from there, I got into personal training and I opened my own supplement store. And so I got exposed to nutritional supplementation and I learned about growing. My mom was an organic garden and I started to learn all these different facets. I've literally worked at every single aspect of the nutrition industry. I, I was a consultant, I was a sponsored athlete and I've formulated products. And then I had this unique experience when I was working at the store is that some um, wealthy um, people, I was training the who's who and I had the store and you know I was doing pretty good. And this wealthy person said, there's a consortium of business people that would like to hire you to write a dummy book and create a fat burner. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. So I learned all about it. And so it came down to the point where I had to go on a, on a, on a, on meet and greet who was going to put this together and the whole deal and all that stuff. And this was a seven figure deal at that time. And I, that was like just insane kind of money for me. I had never heard of that kind of money before. And so I, I wrote the concept of what I wanted for the book. I figured out what I wanted for the supplements and they were going to demify it, you know, do their dummy work as they do it. And so it came out, I had to go to a university in California. It's, this is a name university that everybody would recommend and meet the head who was going to do the research to prove the efficacy of this product. And he said, for $100,000, we will get exactly what you want to prove by testing insects or something, we'll get this up, which has no correlation with humans. I was like, okay. And I was kind of shocked at that whole thing. Wow. The university was, the research would be bought and paid for, for a hundred thousand dollars. This was in around 2000, 2001. So is the message there, we can help you prove anything? Correct. To sell anything. Correct. Mm -hmm. The second thing was, so I realized that, that, that research was for higher, even at our higher edu educational universities. I was like, wow. And the same day, we went down to Southern California to a manufacturing facility where about 30% of the supplements in, in the United States was being manufactured. And I got to tour the facility and meet the PhD who was in charge of bringing in the raws from around the world to be combined. And so I said, Okay, I learned all this. And this was cool. I'm like, wow, I'm really in the factory now. Mm. And he said to me, I said, well, what products do you take? Which ones do you think are the most important? He goes, oh, I wouldn't take any of this stuff. And I'm like, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> oh, you know, just fresh off the turnip truck as I was. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean you wouldn't take this? Like you're a PhD, you're wearing a white coat. We're in this kind of, you know, he's like, I don't know the source of this stuff or the, how good it is or anything else. It's probably all crap. And my jaw dropped. And so I was in my hotel that night and the next day we had to go to um, meet the investors in this project. And I went to that and I had some deep, deep misgivings here. Cause I was like, mm. my, my dreams are smashed kind of like, and we sat down in the room and the conversation was about the margin Mm, that they, they yeah. would be able to make the product like okay we need to do it this times and that'll allow us to roll out the marketing we'll do the books and this is the distribution channel blah, 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 all down the list because really when it comes to supplements you can spend your money on building a great product or you could spend your money on building a great marketing system and and, and, and pushing that out through the purchase and, and so it was very difficult to do both unless you were really wildly funded 
And nobody does that because you can just make a pharmaceutical. Yeah. So I remember getting up in the middle of the meeting and I said, I'm out. I'm not doing this. This is not integrous. It's not right. You're not here to help people. You're here just to make money. The products suck. The research is crap. And you're taking my words and putting into a dummy book. I will only put the mission first. I will never, ever build a company on for margin alone. And you have mm-hmm. to have some margin to, in order to keep the company going. But I mean, of course. And then turns out after the universe, and I came back and I was a, uh, a vegetarian at the time and competed at the universe and didn't use drugs and was following Eastern philosophy. I was kind of a mystic and it was like really wild. And this guy that I knew that was a personal trainer and said, Hey, we can sell this online. And we, and it's this guy said, Nobody's making money online. I didn't even own a computer. <laughs> So anyways, what, I said, what I'll, year I'll, is it by now? What year this is, is it? This is, this is 2004. Uh-huh. Yeah. I didn't believe it was making money online. He didn't mm-hmm. believe I, did, I, owned, I didn't own a computer. I was using internet cafes at the time. Mm-hmm. And we decided to start a company together. And uh, we, we wrote the book and we came up that. And about a year later, we produced our very first commercial product. We started with a hemp protein of all things that, that tasted like dirt and smelled like a farm. <laughs> I was just but, about to say, not yeah. my favorite protein, I have no, to say. And, yeah. <laughs> but that's where we started and because uh, it worked. Mm. And being a vegetarian, I was very limited. There wasn't plant proteins at that time. Mm. And then from there, well, how do we extract it? And then we got into enzymes and probiotics. And so we've always kept that addiction that we've both had. And that is that we never got, as personal trainers, we, we got addicted to helping people feel better about themselves and be healthier and, and all the confidence that ensued and the quality of life. And we said, we will continue this with this company. Mm-hmm. And it's been a long, slow journey for many, many years. But now we're known as one of the premier uh, companies in the biological optimization space. And so we're really grateful for that. Awesome. And thank you for sharing that story. And um, what, what made you dig deep to realize um, that integrity was always going to be first and foremost in your mission? Um, and it's kind of brought a question that I didn't actually have planned and I'm hoping you can answer it um, is so how do you then go about your sourcing? Cause sourcing of supplement ingredients is a bit of a mystery for a lot of people. And many people don't realize that the bargain basement fish oil tubs at the low price chemist are really not health giving capsules. Um, and uh, and I feel like it'd be really great to just um, find out a little bit about your process um, so that people well, here is, Yeah. And there, there was a lot of what I would say failed experiments and learning. So one of the things that I always did is, is success leaves clues. So as I would go to the trade shows and I would meet the various people and go through all the processes, I made note of the people that look the healthiest and had the most vitality and had the most energy and made the most sense. Most of these people were a little bit kooky, but they were kooky in a way that they were quality control freaks. I was in the raw food industry. Like I, I didn't eat cooked food for two years and you meet a lot of really high levels. In fact, I can remember an event in 2007 that I went to. Uh, as we were sourcing out of this raw food event. And those are probably, raw foodists are probably the most extreme levels of, of purity fanatics. They're like the Puritans of the nutrition industry. Mm. And I would, 
stumble across and I would learn and then I would find out and then I'd go to places. And then uh, eventually I got to get to know a couple of people here and a couple of people there where I could source out ingredients and go beyond just standard GMP testing and understand the, the tricks that were used in the industry about batching and cheating on stuff and foreign stuff. And then I met people who literally uh, one of our suppliers, she, she goes around the world. She's been to 120 countries. She goes past the mafia organizations. She deals with the farmers directly. She gets her hands in the dirt. See, there's people like that. And, you, and when you've been in the industry long enough, you start to find them and you can start to trust them and you start to, to get the products that you want. And then, and then once you produce what you want, um, or what you think you have, then you, you start testing that and optimizing that. Um, and we start internally first. So right now, at any given time, we're testing... Oh, right now, I think we're testing four different products that we have already built, but we're trying to optimize them and refine them with our, with our products and our supplies. And we have a PhDs now. We have a couple of PhDs that do research and biofilm for us. We've got some great chemists and some great formulators that know how to put things together, what things work, what things don't. Manufacturing experts, because there's combining, some elements don't combine well and flow rates. And so... After being in the industry as long as I have, you, 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 you get to know what works and you always keep a mind open and you're looking for the next best, uh, how to overcome the next challenge. And there's always a challenge to overcome and you just keep staying on the problem. I think it was Einstein that said, it's not that I'm smarter than other people. It's just, I stay with my problems longer. Mm, such and a that, good one. There's, there's, really, there's really there. And there's still problems that we're working on that we've been working on for 20 years and don't have the solutions for. Wow. <laughs> so, and that's the fun. That's the joy. That's what gets uh, me and Matt up every day, my yeah. co-founder. And, uh, and we try and work with people who have that curiosity, who mm. have that burning desire to find out why. Yeah. It's important if you really want to do the best. Yes. You have to stay with the problem longer, just as Einstein yes. said. Yes. Um, so there are many things I could ask you about in health, given you've been helping people for decades uh, in many facets of health. I definitely want to ask about digestion. So let's start there because people feel like they take two steps backwards before they take another step forward so often when they're trying to correct their digestion uh, and while we know the many factors that got us into a spot where our digestion absolutely sucks, and that could be everything from agricultural chemicals to synthetic ultra-processed foods to uh, dead foods and not enough live stuff to keep us going, um, I'd love to hear your take on why gut health got so complicated. Why, why can't yeah. we just digest a damn meal anymore? Right, great. I call it the unintended consequences of tech, rapid technological innovation. And in 1945, the United States changed the world by dropping the atomic bomb in Japan, thus bringing the end of the war. And all ethics and morality, all that side, we're not talking about that. We're talking about what happened is we ushered in the nuclear age. Now, prior to that, nitrogen was the primary uh, component of weapons. And now we had a massive stockpile of all these weapons, which are useless. So let's just put that to one thing. After the war, there was a massive explosion in the population. The baby boom, the baby boomers, they're still with us. They're on the, the tail end of it um, right now for his lifespan. And the governments of the world start to recognize like, oh my God, with our current agricultural production methods, 
we're not going to have enough food for everybody. Not to mention there was an increased demand with shipping and distribution of information and this technological explosion and transistor radios and TVs and shipping and travel. And, and now all the cultures had mixed because of the war. And, you know, so there's all these different things. It was a cultural explosions. And so the, the, the upside of wars is that there's a, if you look at the evolution of species, it always comes rapidly after wars or during through, you know, uh, there's nothing like necessity that motivates you to drive forward. And all of that to say that the governments of the world started to create agricultural boards and how we're going to produce food. And they started to implement monoculture practices. Prior to that, there was, you know, you go through seven years of growth and you have a year of fallowness on the field and then you would grow hemp and then you would plow the hemp back in to reconstitute the soil. And this is what farmers had done for generations and generations. Well, now we went into the giant monoculturing machines came out into it and the plant quality, they said, Hey, we can't, we still can't grow it fast enough. And they're like, Oh, well, Hey, if we add this nitrogen from the leftover bombs, we, we just can get so a- happen to have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can grow this food faster. Seems like a good idea. Right. Mm-hmm. But what we didn't realize is the consequences of that we were degrading the protein to make enzymes to grow on a mineral deficient soil because mm. the minerals just started. So the food, qu- the food quality start to go down. Now the, the plants, created these proteins to protect themselves from insects and bugs and funguses and all that stuff. So now blight started to hit and things started to go wrong. So, Hey, what do we need to do? Let's get things that kill the bugs. So we got herbicides, pesticides, and fungicides, which interesting rhyme is suicide and homicide. And how they work is when you spray these chemicals on your food, what they do is they disrupt the enzymatic pathways of the bugs and that's what kills them. So you need, you need enzymes to control everything from thinking to blinking inside your body. Every chemical process requires enzymes and every digestive process requires enzymes and probiotics. And if you're spraying all your food with these chemical agents, then you are disrupting how much, like how much we know how much it takes to kill a bug, but how much of that do I need to ingest before it kills the, the good bugs in me or kills me? So now we saw all the rise of that. And then of course we have production, um, uh, irradiation and food distribution because every other species on the planet eats its food live. Yeah. Which and it'll fresh. have the en- 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 enzymes and probiotics intact. We don't, mm. we irradiate it, we eradicate it, we chemicalize it, we preserve it, we dye it. We ship it, we package it, and there's nothing left to it. Mm. And we wonder why there's problems. Now, fast forward, this has been going on for 70 years. So guess what? It's kind of like the scene in in the Matrix where the guy's like, well, how do we know what tasty wheat really tastes like if we've never actually had tasty wheat? Like, why doesn't it taste like chicken? Or maybe that's why everything tastes like chicken. Well, we're actually in that space right now. I had the good fortune of my mother who was growing an organic garden in the late seventies and eighties and was thought of as a kook in her neighborhood. And we made fun of her. When I went to university, I noticed when I ate the food there, I didn't feel the same. And I started to gain weight and I'd come back home in the summer and I would lose the weight and I felt great. And then I go back and I started to notice this pattern. I was like, maybe there's something to this organics. And so that over the last 30 plus years, I've learned piece by piece about all of these components and led to the component that it is virtually impossible for anyone 
to eat, quote unquote, a balanced diet and hope to have a functional operating digestive system and the ability to digest, absorb, and utilize the food, whatever dietary practice they're having and convert it into either the building blocks that they require or the energy units they require. And it's a single canal from your mouth to your butt. And the reality is, we make the natural assumption that as soon as the food enters into my body, it's in the cells. Remember the awesome formula, it's gotta go to the cell. So I was like, wait a second. If it, there, there's a five stage process, taste, t- taste, touch, feel, smell the food. If I say pickles and sauerkraut, your body starts to salivate. There's a Pavlovian response. Your body starts to produce enzymes, all this sort of stuff. You chew and masticate the food. It goes down the esophagus. There's hydrochloric acid comes in 30 to 60 minutes. That changes the pH, activates some enzymes, deactivates others, disinfects the food, kills off the parasites, the bacteria, the viruses, the pathogens, the insects, whatever it happens to be. It exits out. Minerals buffer the acid. It goes into the intestinal tract. That's where the probiotics finish the job and converting that into the building blocks or the energy units. If that's disrupted, you get leaky gut, crap leaps into your blood. Uh, And then peristaltic contraction then removes this. But the problem is we sit a lot, so we don't have strong peristaltic contraction. You put a group, most women on a you put most women on a mini trampoline by the time they're 40 and they'll pee their pants in two minutes because they've lost their pelvic strength and floor. And if you look at, so that, and people suffer from constipation, people are extremely dehydrated. They don't have contraction muscles. If they get acid reflux or heartburn, it's because they don't have enough hydrochloric acid, not too much. And they get a proton pump. They have food sitting in the stone in their stomach. It's because they didn't they didn't have the enzymes present in it, so it's not, it's not pre-digested before the hydrochloric acid comes in. And if they're getting gas and, fa- and flatulence and, uh, you know, they're getting all kinds of skin conditions and, you know, disruption in their brain chemistry and things like that, it's because they don't have the probiotics they need because they got antibiotics when they kid or they had so much pesticides that they killed off the good bacteria inside their guts. And any one of these things begin to set off a chain of events that will lead to digestive disruption. And if you, if you took your car and you didn't give it the right gas or you, 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 you only put a little bit of gas in it at a time, it'll only go so fast. It'll only go 20 miles an hour. You, you need to be able to open that up. You need to be able to provide more gas. And we're unlike cars that we actually repair ourselves. So are we getting the building blocks we require to build this superstructure that we call the protoplasmic reality of me? Mm. Well, that was a lot to take in. (laughs) I I speak in gusts up to 300 miles an hour. So I'm trying to condense a lifetime of experience into a a systematic logical progression that's transpired over 70 years and condense it to why a person says I can't lose weight and my hormones are off. Mm. Well, that's a result of 70 years. Yeah. Much of which you might not have been on the planet for 20 or 30 years before. Mm -hmm. So you were born into a situation that you can't possibly define because you didn't know the precursor events to your arrival. Mm. And then, so it sounds like you've articulated those five stages of a digestion somewhere in that last answer. Um, yes. But can we recap those? And then can we talk about um, all this work that the modern person does to try and fix their digestion and how we can simplify that process and create a clear path to starting to repair that 70 years worth that got us here? Sure thing. So the first is taste, touch, and mulch up the food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
and then the food goes to the esophagus and that's when you begin to rest and digest. So not watching television, not being in this, being into, uh, not in your fight or flight mode, you're in rest and relax mode. At that point, having sufficient levels of hydrochloric acid, which interesting enough, the number one requirement for that is good hydration. You need water to bake acid. It's fascinating. Third stage, the next stage is uh, transportation. Make sure you have enough minerals in your body. Make sure you, you can do tests. I'm going to give you some test points that you can do. And then the next, exactly. And then the next uh, phase is where the probiotics kind of mulch. So I, the enzymes and hydrochloric acid cut the grass and the probiotics mulch the grass. Okay. And then, and then there's elimination, right? So one of the principles that we cultivated at Bioptimizers is, well, how do I live my most optimal life is, well, you assess, you test, and you optimize. So a couple easy tricks for your listeners to see where they're at. If you're sitting, if you have that feeling of, of like food sitting in your stomach after a meal, that's like, it feels heavy and you go, oh, oh. I never used to feel that way, but it does now. What you do is at, with your meal, when you're doing, eating your meal, take two tablespoons of lemon juice. And you dump that with a meal that you normally feel kind of stony and bloated. Um, chance, and, and you don't feel that way, you're deficient in enzymes. You don't have enough enzymes to produce. If uh, another thing you can do is you take a um, quarter teaspoon of baking soda, mix it in four to six ounces of water, so like a little cup like that, mix it all up and drink it. If you don't burp within five minutes, you're not producing enough hydrochloric acid. So oh, that's a good test. Taking an HCL tablet afterwards um, will work just great. So and taking third, an HCL tablet after your meal, you mean? Yes, yes, okay. because mm -hmm. hydrochloric acid comes in about 30 to 60 minutes after your meal. Mm -hmm. the digestive is supposed to be the enzymes present in the food are supposed to break it down in the first 30, 60 minutes. Mm. We produce enzymes as an adjunct for an enzymatically deficient diet. Mm. So if you take wild animals that have lived in the wild anymore, they don't need the digestive enzymes the same way as a human does. Mm. But if, when, as soon as you start feeding them cooked food, their pancreas begins to enlarge. So the humans, interesting enough, to body weight have a pancreas that is three and a half to four times the size of any given species on the planet. And producing our own enzymes, we have to take smooth and skeletal muscle tissue and convert those proteins into the enzymes. And that's why people get so tired after turkey dinner, uh, you know, on Thanksgiving or Christmas, they have their big meal. It's not the tryptophan folks. You ate so much food that your body shunts all the blood and all the enzymatic supply out of every other organ in your body to break down digestion. Wow. And so, and so that's yeah. the food coma. That's the food coma. You see, you don't mm. have enough enzymes to break down the food. So it shuts off enzymatic production every other, because you need enzymes for thinking to blinking. Oh, we don't need to run the brain right now. We got to get rid of this food. And so the final stage that people can work on in that is understanding you now we're kind of entering into what I saw at the beginning of the golden age of probiotics. We're starting to understand their role, their essential nature. Before we had a, a pharmaceutical model that was just kill the bad guys. But we, we didn't discern between the good guys, the bad guys, or the opportunists. 10% good, 10% bad, 80% opportunists in our guts. And so um, getting a biome test, getting a gut map, get, getting an ND to kind of see what probiotics that you're not, um, you're not getting in your body or and people who ate a lot of sugar as a kid or people who are subjected to a lot of um, prescription medication, particularly antibiotics, 
often have significant disbalances, which can lead to not making the polypeptide shades that make your happy chemicals in your brain because almost all of your neurotransmitters are actually made by these bacteria in your guts. And so, and then the final stage is, is making sure that you have strong pelvic floors, getting a squatty potty for when you go into the bathroom, because that's a more natural way to defecate. Uh, also, um, if you find that you can jump on a rebounder for a minute and start to pee your pants, guess what? There are courses out there where you can learn pelvic floor strengthening so that you can re you know, reawaken the nerves into the intestine, into that area so that you can have stronger contractions to move the waste out. Because any food that is not properly digested and eliminated now becomes a breeding ground for bad guys and mm. can become a toxin. Mm. Huge. Huge. Such good little tests. Thank you. Looking forward yeah. to, um, to trying that bicarb one myself. Yeah. Um, okay. So... Obviously, these days, a lot of people have, uh, hopefully a lot of people have a personal practitioner because I don't believe anyone can replace the, the excellent resource that is someone who really knows you inside out and very personally. But a lot of people shop around online. I mean, you guys would probably not have the success that you did if people didn't take health into their own hands, right? So mm -hmm. my question here around probiotics, enzymes and bile um, and um, HCL is how do people navigate this if they have to do it on their own, if they can't access a practitioner? How do we know how much we need? Of Great question. So one of the things that we've cultivated and now we've coached over 50,000 people through our organization, I, I provide the awesome health course. The first thing is you need an overarching philosophy that understands what's going on in your body. And, you need, and I've, if you're going to do it on your own, you need some sort of lane that you need to pick. You can go see whether it's a, a Paul check or you can go to the Awesome Health program. I give the course away for free. I'm very conscientious of the economics of being healthy and said, you know what, at least I can provide a philosophy. Um, and once you get into it, it becomes fascinating and you start to divert resources you have maybe away from you know, things that give you maybe a biochemical sense for a few minutes, but don't deliver long-term, you start to shunt resources into this. And then ultimately I would, I would find yourself, one of the principles that we have in the system is called the Jedi council. Who is your Jedi council? And kind of relating to star Wars and the masters, and they had a council of these successful people and they would say, what are we going to do? And they would, you know, discuss these things. So, Start with one person, someone who's producing a fantastic result in your local area. It could be a chiropractor, could be a nutritionist, could be a coach, whatever that is. And start there because what I've noticed is people who are great at something know other people who are great at something. And in short order, you'll have a great counsel. And what you want to do is there's probably something in your life that you can be of value to them. So find a way to be of value to people who uh, are producing the result you want. And guess what? pretty soon you'll find that your health starts to improve by your associations with those who have health. And that's the first thing. Second thing is we do offer, um, we, we're, we're actually providing low cost coaching. We're actually building some computer apps using artificial intelligence. I've answered over 8,000 questions personally that come into the company. I answer every question that comes into the company if I haven't answered it before. 
So when you have a question about something, reach out and our company, our, our customer support agents respond to those questions. And those questions that they're responding with are things that I've answered the questions. So that's not the ideal situation, I'll be frank, but it's certainly an affordable uh, way, way to get the feedback that you want. And then we help people, you know, we help people navigate those decisions. Well, should I get probiotics and, and, or enzymes? I only have this much of a budget. Well, we get some feedback from you and say, hey, we'll, we'll suggest this one. And if it doesn't work, you get your money back. And if it does work, you've solved the problem. Mm. There's two pretty good um, avenues uh, for confidence in people. And um, so something I wanted to ask about um, digestion as a barometer of overall health, uh, because uh, I've seen you talk about this before in another interview I was listening to recently. Uh, And I think a lot of people... um, don't make the connection between digestion um, effectiveness and metabolic health. Um, and so could you help us understand the connection between those two things? Well, it's, it's not a new concept. Hippocrates mm. said that all disease begins in the gut. And yeah. the word hypochondriac mean to someone that had been infected in the, this thoracic place where the digestive or organs are mm. fascinating enough. Yeah. Um, and would distort the mind would cause disruptions in the mind and create melancholy and these type of wor- words that kind of worked out into our dictionary. We don't think of the history. You can check history. It's fascinating. Going backwards, you have to recognize is that if you study Eastern philosophy, and this is going to relate to this, we're intaking energy and we're expelling waste. That's the process of food, of breathing, of hydration, all of that. What's interesting in the East, they focus on the exhale first, the elimination of toxins, the releasing of, 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 of carbon out of the system. Now, we're thinking about how do I get more in kind of the Western society? So it's what we eat. So I would say first stage is what we eliminate. And that goes from breath work. That goes from getting into a place where you're in a rest and relaxed place to digest because you won't digest your food if you're stressed out looking at a screen or watching the latest presidential debate. <laughs> you'll be a, Definitely you'll, not you'll a stress reducer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, that's st- stage one. Um, stage two is to focus on the elimination out of your body, making sure that you're not constipated, that you're eliminating properly. Uh, and if you have problems with elimination, you've got problems. Once you can eliminate stuff, the bringing stuff in becomes easier. You have to, I always, I always say, listen, if you're bringing in a new sofa into your living room, you got to take the old one out first. And I think for a lot of people, you have to practice sitting in emptiness. And if I can not worry so much about what I'm taking in, if I can first address what am I getting out? Am I eliminating properly? Am I hydrating so I can eliminate properly? Do I have good contractile strength inside my body? Okay, start there first. It doesn't cost anything. Mm. There's nothing to buy in that. Yeah. And one of the things that- that's so important because we are so programmed to think I got to buy something to make it better. Right. There's so much you can do that- requires no money. And, and the thing is, is people have to interrupt the cycle of the dopamine hit they got. I've got this big problem. I press the button and buy. And I get this sense, this euphoric feeling that my problem is now fixed. No, it's not. You just bought something. 
That's it. That's all that has transpired. But that changes people and they become addicted to the high of the buying as opposed to sitting in the space of nothingness, being empty, emptying the mind, emptying the body, emptying the thoughts, emptying the concepts, accepting that I don't know what's happening and sit within that for a little bit and, and then get comfortable with that. And then from that point, you go, okay, I can eliminate what's not working in my life. I'm overeating. I'm stressed out. I'm, eat, I'm making poor food selections because I'm stressed out about what diet I'm supposed to follow. So I'd give up and I just run for Doritos at the end of the day. Mm. Right? Yeah. No disrespect, Doritos. You make a good chip. <laughs> so I think the first stage of health is to get clear about the insanity of our own thought process. And there's no person or place or thing that can fix that. Only it's our job to do that. And it's our responsibility and health is our responsibility. Nobody else's, not the doctors, not your spouse, not your kids. And taking back the responsibility and accountability of that and sitting in within the state that you are and saying, you know what? I created it. I've created this thing. I'm not a victim. Mm. I've created the condition that I'm in right now. Yes, my family was big bone. Yes, they had bad diets. Yes, grandma fed me too much sugar. I'm addicted to booze and drugs and pills. And, you know, I like smoking at night and blah, blah, blah. Own it. Mm. It doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. And say, okay, what thing could I eliminate first that I know for a fact is causing a problem? Let's start there. Because guess what? Not only does that begin to save you money off the bat, which you can pile up to resources to invest in something in the future, but it also starts to clear the mind where you can think clearer and make better choices. And you just continually make better choices and recognize that a diet is not going to get you anywhere you want. A diet is a short-term strategy for a specific outcome with no possibility of continuity. You need a nutritional strategy that is integrated into your lifestyle on a daily basis for as long as you live. And if you're not addressing the problem or the challenge from that perspective, you are guaranteed to amplify the problem. Mm, such. That's, that's huge. You have to sit with that and really let that sink in. Mm. Thank you. Okay. So uh, I wanted to ask you also about our immune systems. Um, and this is a, a current challenge I'm experiencing uh, myself. Uh, just to give you a tiny bit of history, I had SIRS um, diagnosis about four years ago after a horrific year of inflammation cascade living in a water-damaged building, which was all set off by a general anesthesia that I had. I, I know from that point on, it all just went completely pear-shaped. And it's something I've struggled with since, to be honest. I, I, haven't, I don't feel like I have found the way to rewrite the way my body uh, responds to threats since the hideous threat, if you know what I mean. And I honestly feel like our bodies learn a language uh, when they have experienced something, kind of like um, an immune system almost being in PTSD. That's what it feels like. Um, so I would like to ask you a question, a basic question to start with. How does our immune sure. system function so people get a bit of a 101? 
fascinating question. So our immune system for what people know is keep in mind is there's various components to the immune system. So you could look at our skin is the, is the number one issue. Anytime that you have an opening in the body, you are susceptible. So we have mechanisms, you know, whether it's nose hairs or ears hair or canals. Um, and then primarily many of the things that get ingested either through the lungs or into the gut, um, we have mechanisms. So the breathing through the nose is one of the better ways to deal with a lot of these things is to changing temperatures and subject it to various bacteria to wipe that out. And, and proper digesting, taking time to eat and produce enough hydrochloric acid, which kills the parasites, the viruses, the bacteria, and the bugs that get into the system. Those two areas are very, very critical. Clean air, right? So getting a check on your mold test, this is where a lot of people get into big problems of water damage building stuff. You're probably full of mold and mold is very difficult to get rid of and disrupts virtually everything inside your body. And it can be done. It can be detox. I have a specialist that does that. She's great. And, and um, if you found out that you've got mold, like you're, you're, we're saying that you're compromised. You need to get someone who is an expert in this, who has proven results because it's going to be a journey out of it. It's not something that gets fixed overnight. There's not a quick fix or pill or something like that. And you, you, you need someone to guide you and you need someone because sometimes when you start the detoxification process of something like that, it actually feels like it's getting worse for a period of time. And you really need someone to kind of guide you through the mines of Moria <laughs> to use the Lord or like you need to fight the Balrog, you know? And, uh, and, and that's where a guide is very essential. And I think without it, it's almost impossible to get through it um, for most people. So that's how I would answer that first. The other thing is, so, and, and keep in mind, hydrochloric acid is the biggest thing in our immune system. The second thing is the bacteria cultures inside our system. Like we, we developed a super patented strain of probiotics, which exerted, we subjected a, a bacteria strain to an extremely harsh environment that only a very small group of them would survive. And we used a sine wave and we did all kinds of crazy stuff because we use the same principles that grew bad bacteria that get subjected to pharmaceutical agents. Some of them survive and become resistant to bacteria strains. I said, so, okay, so if we subject a bunch of bacteria to a very resistant bunch of type of conditions, could we make super bacterias? Well, turns out you can. And uh, so that's what we did. And, and now that we have a team of PhDs, that's what they do every day. We talk to them every week and we're running all these weird tests, many of which fail horribly. And then occasionally they work. And so we're, we're, we believe that the cultivation of extreme strains of probiotics, which can help interact. And then, and then in other cases, you need to get out of the environment that is destroying you. If you're in a mold filled house, get out. You have to move. You will never achieve health without it. You, it's done. It's over. It's time to let that go. And inside of that, what happens is you're going to be faced up with a whole bunch of other what I call psychological furniture pieces that you don't want to get rid of. But it's like if there was a fire there, you would quickly leave the building. So there's a you great- You have to book. pretend there's a fire. Yeah. There's a great book um, by Dr. David Hawkins, who is one of my spiritual teachers, called Letting Go. And he was a psychiatric, he had a psychiatric practice for over 50 years, very brilliant guy and wrote the map of consciousness, this great resource. 
And he said, the, the process that you need to do, one of the things that he said was why. Another thing would be to use, and then what? So all your fears mm. just go, and then what? And then what? And then what? Until you get down to the end, then I'll die. And so, so well, what point do you want to interrupt that cycle? And then you go, well, I can't do that. And he goes, okay, in letting go, imagine I put a gun to your head. Could you let go of that? Could you let go of that house now? Mm. Yeah, I could let go of the house. Mm-hmm. Right? Could, 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 could I give up this? Yeah, I could let go. So can you put the proverbial gun to your head to get laser focused because we have these sneaky ways of allowing ourselves to stay caught in habitual patterns of thinking because of just how our neural networks conveniently work. And you've got to disrupt those patterns. Mm, so, so true. We need to wear our opinions like a loose garment. Mm. Um, they become very hard centers of the ego, but to... to you know, vigorously apply our opinions to the best of our ability, but also stay open to the possibility that we're wrong. And so we're constantly integrating and optimizing and refining our perception as opposed to being dogmatic in our belief and trying to enforce our sense of authority. 100%. I couldn't agree more. It's very Um, difficult though. It's it is. It's, it's, not, it's not my nature, that's for sure. I have to beat myself every day for every violation I make continuously all day long. <laughs> yeah. I, I find as I get older, I get more comfortable with not knowing everything and being open. It's very um, But that is something I have very consciously cultivated, though. Me too. And I'm not quite there yet. Mm. Yeah, it's a work in progress, shall we say. But I'm enjoying the ride. It's interesting, right? It is very sure. interesting to be open um, in, a, in a world that tries to make us all fit into very specific bubbles and camps and beliefs and just stay there. Um, yeah. uh, I, don't feel, I don't feel right staying anywhere, any one place too long. I think I'm quite nomadic in my thinking um, and I think that helps me um, stay at least true to myself, which is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but also appreciate where everybody is coming from, regardless mm-hmm. of what they believe or think. Very true. So back to the immune system. Um, I'm curious about vitamin D and zinc, right? Because there is just so much research on these guys. It is completely impossible to argue that either of these things would not be important for a healthy functioning immune system. And when you see a new virus come on the scene, Uh, like we have, Um, and I'm by no means uh, trying to entertain bizarre theories uh, in in addressing this or asking this question, Um, but it pains me that there wouldn't be a universal mandate on checking D and zinc levels at a time like this. How are we not there yet, Wade? What are your thoughts? Because the people who make the policies inside our institutions, both from a medical side and a political side, are operating in a narrow paradigm that doesn't include the use of vitamins and minerals. So they're making decisions based, no matter how smart they are, or how accomplished, they're making decisions. They're trying, to, they're trying to pound a nail into the wall when it's a screw. If, if, if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so there's not a lot of money in it for them to give people vitamin D and zinc. And it's just like the whole race thing which is if you look right now, people with darker skin typically are having a very much of a worse time of it than people with lighter skin. And so what is that? Well, 
the biological evolution is as humans migrated to northern, less sunny climates, we started to diminish in melanin. And as we migrated to warmer, sunnier climates, we increase the melanin production in the body because that's the number one source of where we extract light into the body, which we talked about, sunlight, which vitamin D is really a hormone. It's like a master hormone. It should be qualified and, 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 and leverage that light. And the number one thing to change that is sunlight. But with another unintended consequences of technological innovation is we spend most of our time indoors as our ancestors were outdoors. Our ancestors 100 years ago walked 20 miles a day. We're lucky if we walk 20 miles a year. And so what we now call exercise was just living for most of the planet. Historically, getting vitamin D was not an issue because you were outside all day long and you got this. And so um, it's up to us as individuals to again, reject the idea that some person on the other side of the world who is obviously not healthy is going to figure out a policy <laughs> that is going to allow you to come up with the idea for health. It's yeah. absolutely insane. Mm. So our over-reliance and our farming out of our own personal autonomy to external forces, you reap the benefit because you do not know what the incentives they are for that agreement. You do not know what their state of health is. You do not know their capability of implementing agreements and policy. I mean, so, so you're entering into a contest where most of the variables will determine that you will die before they figure out the question. Therefore, thinking that, that the thinking is flawed because at the end of the day, you've outsourced your own authority and your own accountability and your own responsibility for your life. And the second you do that, you lose. It's over. You're done. You, you go to people who are producing the result you want and you take the things that are useful in application. And virtually every single person who has robust health and a great immune system and is not worried about these viral infections or things like that or carry on, they all take, make sure their vitamin D levels are high. They're taking vitamin C. They're exercising and breathing fresh air. They're in the sunshine. And they are not counting on a political organization of any party or a pharmaceutically uh, directed institution, which does not allow its propagators, the medical doctors who spent their whole life working on very smart, intelligent people with well-meaning, they are actually imprisoned within a legal system that prevents them from providing you the information if they knew it in the first place. Mm. It's crazy. It's insanity. So it all comes back to the individual. Mm. Take responsibility for your health. Yeah. Don't tell everybody else how you need to be healthy. Take responsibility for your own. Get that in order. Yeah. Get, there. Get your Start. house in order. Get your house in order. Get your family in order. Be the type of person that becomes so healthy that people are magnetized to you by who you are, not who you say you are. Mm. Oh, I like that. That's good. Um, and so in terms of how we get vitamin D, obviously you talked about the ancestors and um, predominantly we, of course, got it through being outside a lot. Mm -hmm. Is there an effective way to get it in supplemental form um, that really helps us um, maximize our benefit from that nutrient? That sure. Way? I mean, you, you, you can go to any nutritionist or, or uh, 
expert in your area that will, will find a, a, a good source of vitamin D for you. Uh, mm-hmm. They'll know a brand that's local to your environment. It's relatively cheap and inexpensive. I mean, you could, I mean, vitamin D costs you probably a half a cent mm. for a yeah, mega dose each day. I will say this in my experience, I supplement with vitamin D, but there is no replacement for being out in the sunshine. There is a whole other level of amplification of your own production of vitamin D than taking externally. And I would say start supplementing right now and start getting your butt in the sunshine. Mm, Beautiful. Um, And then in terms of uh, our immune systems, um, it's as a last question, uh, and it kind of comes back to what I was saying before, that sort of sense of danger and people's inflammatory responses kind of going a bit haywire and over the top. And we're seeing this with the coronavirus. Some people are having really adverse um, inflammatory responses and it's causing some of the more severe cases. Um, But we see this with all sorts of illnesses. I mean, you know, coronavirus aside, some people have huge reactions uh, when they're um, faced with an invader and other people you just kind of slides off your back. What can we do to um, have healthier immune responses? Shut off the television. Mm -hmm. Shut off the internet. Read a book. Go outside. Hug your loved ones. Eat natural food. And all of a sudden, you'll find that like there's there's a there's the stress response. If you study the Sele stress response, we kind of alluded to this earlier. The principles in martial arts. It is not the single attack. It is the 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 whole encompassing component. So the number one driver to get your attention is fear-based media. So media is telling you, one, you're not belonging to the tribe. Number two, you're not good enough. And number three, something is going to take you out because you need to listen to me. Those are the principles of fear-based marketing, which have been, as you alluded to earlier, these are the foundational components of propaganda. You create a, uh, an adversary that is very dark and ugly. It's the, the dragon that comes to the village and burns it down. And the reality is that this is, innate in the psychology of 10,000 generations into our psyche. So you first have to get away from the dragon and the dragon is fear and the propagation of fear. And if you're spending eight hours a day on the internet and all of these people are clamoring to for your attention by projecting fear, then what happens is you're getting, you're, you're receiving everything in a state of fear. You're in fear all the time. So the, the, the condition, whether it's a virus or a bacteria or an invader or whatever, is now coming into an environment where your immune system is weakened. So your first step is we need to stop all of the things or as many of them as possible that are creating fear, which is putting me in an anxious fight or flight point, which is over time, the stress response means you get into fatigue and exhaustion. And when you're in fatigue and exhaustion, just like in sports, I can throw punches really well in the first round. When I get to the championship rounds and I'm tired and I'm broken down, that's where the person who's trained the most that is in the best physical condition may not be as skillful in the first part, doesn't have the immune, but it later into the fight, they have the resilience. 
So we need to cultivate the resilience inside our life. How do you cultivate resistance or resilience? You start breathing properly, meditation, deep breathing, Tai Chi. You start drinking tons of water. You get out every morning instead of turning on the TV and every night instead of turning on the TV. Go for a freaking walk outside in the sun or in the rain or where the snow or whatever it is. And stop worrying about all these things and start bolstering your immune system. And then when you start feeling better, you'll say, you know what? I don't need that candy bar snack. I don't need that thing that's weakening. I don't need that sugar. I'm going to have an apple. I'm going to have an orange. You know what? I'm going to listen to a great podcast and put some good ideas into my head. You know, these are the type of things. They're simple steps, but you have to look at the total picture first. And that might not be the answer people want to hear. But Mm. believe me. It is the answer that you need to hear because nobody's talking about it. Mm. We're so overloaded with the projection of fear into the system that our immune systems are weakened not by the invaders Mm. of the biological agents. We We have been infected by the agents of psychology Mm. that have taken over our minds. Absolutely. I mean, and and you see that play out in political leadership, trying to make us scared of other groups of people, you know, or uh, and media trying to make us more scared of a virus than we potentially need to be. And like everywhere you look there and, and even in dietary protocols, you know, you have like the, the more scared someone can make you of something, the more likely you might be to submit to their product. Um, and uh you know, scared of carbs, scared of this, scared of fat, scared, we're scared of everything. And that's why, and we're operating out of fear so often. And I think uh, that's so interesting that you then um, so obviously point out that in starting to heal our immune systems, we need to start addressing how much fear we expose ourselves to, how much we let in to our psychology. Right now, at this moment, there are tribes in South America who are unaware of all of this, Mm. who are living exactly as they have every Mm. year of their life, as they have for thousands of years. How can they do it? And we can't. That's right. Wade, I could speak to you for another three hours, but I'm very (laughs) conscious of our time. Uh, So I feel like we're going to need to part two on this because I had a ton of other questions, um, but we just don't have time for them today. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you for the work you guys do at BioOptimizers. We can find you worldwide, right? You ship everywhere. There's no uh, limited access. We haven't got into uh, North Korea yet, but we're hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that. You never know. (laughs) One day, right? One day. I'm, I'm, you know, every person on the planet is my brother or my sister. So uh, if I can't reach them through the digital ways and I can't reach them through the nutritional ways, I certainly can send out the love and vibration that one day that'll change. I love that. I think your attitude's amazing. You're such an empowering person. And I know people are going to have had a whole bunch of ideas from today. I urge you to jump onto the show notes, everybody, and check out BioOptimizers um, as well. And, uh, and we will have you back very soon. Thanks, Wade. 
Thanks so much. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social, on Instagram, at lowtoxlife, or one word, or my personal Instagram, uh, at underscore Alex with two X's, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Low Tox Life. Uh, and of course, lowtoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a low tox life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US about 27 euro and about 25 pounds, you get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.